and welcome to Zero Ambitions, the podcast that has high ambitions for zero emissions from the built environment. I'm Duncan Smith and the other guy is Jeff Coley and together we try and bring you a weekly insight into energy, housing and sustainability within the built environment. This week I had a really interesting and quite uplifting conversation with Michael Jones at York City Council. Michael is the head of housing delivery and asset management at the authority and the conversation covered both new building retrofit, New York have set passive houses their standard, as well as the wider sustainability of housing and communities. It was good to get the perspective of someone working in local government and the journey that a council and Michael have been on over the last few years in terms of climate change and sustainability. I took a lot from the chat and the two main things in particular, first was that social landlords need to collaborate and that climate change and retrofit challenge is something that we will only overcome if we share knowledge. And the second is that social landlords have an opportunity to lead the way in both new build and retrofit standards. I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope you do enjoy listening. And as Michael says, please get in touch if you want to share experiences and learning within the wider community. Thank you. So, Michael, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Um, really appreciate your time today. Um, could you just give us an introduction to yourself and the role that you do in, in York City Council? Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for the invite, Duncan. It's it's great to be here and, and speaking to you today. So, my name's Michael Jones. Um, my new-ish job title is Head of Housing Delivery and Asset Management at the City of York Council. So um, I've spent most of the last four years um, developing our housing delivery programme at City of York Council. But um, previously I've been a planner, I've worked for Joseph Roundtree Housing Trust. So a bit of a varied kind of um, housing association, design, planning type background. Um, but my new portfolio as we like to talk about it in local authority terms also includes um retrofit so mm. the challenge of the seven and a half thousand council houses that we have in the city many of which aren't very energy efficient mm. um and also working with homeowners in the private rented sector to try and encourage um retrofit of their own homes um but i also cover asset management including adaptations repairs maintenance um, and also the the kind of policy strategy part of housing. So yeah. um, our connection with the private sector and, and what others are building in the city um, yeah. is all um, dauntingly sitting under me at the moment. So that's, a, that's, a, that's a big remit, Michael, you know, and, 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 and challenging. In, in terms of York and for people who are not familiar with the area, uh, what, what, what's the sort of size of York in terms of, or, or the, um, the sort of demographic and, and, and yeah. rural or, or, or urban? Yeah, so we are a, a very compact urban area, um, but we're surrounded by Greenbelt. So mm. that brings some obviously real challenges in terms of meeting um, population growth um, and, and supporting our economy in that way. Um, we've got around about 210,000 residents, I think, at the moment. Mm that's sitting about 90,000 homes. Um, we're, I think, about five miles across. So um, we're a great city for cycling and walking. We're very 
it's a very flat place and yeah. very compact so um yeah it's it's a it's a city where i feel like we should be able to make sustainable living work yeah and yeah. um, because every everything is is relatively close everything is accessible by by non-car modes yeah and and, my, and I'm definitely not going to preach um, about my own lifestyle, but you know, in my experience, you can you can cycle across the city much quicker than you can drive yeah. across the city. It's it's a it's a very um, old city, great history, but obviously it doesn't have lots of big roads running through it, and therefore, sure. um, yeah. getting out of the car and on your bike or walking is often is often quicker in my yeah. experience. So quite quite compact, and and I'd imagine that would resemble lots of um cities in the UK mm-hmm. in terms of you you said they're five miles across, which is really quite a small geographical area. So you get quite a as you say, a concentration, a uh, a concentration of, of properties in a in a small area. But but even even though you're in Yorkshire, which is which is um for those um uh listening is 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 in the north of England, um probably typical in terms of the the, the buildings that you have, the age profile that, that you have to other um, areas, whether they be in the south of England or indeed even Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. So we um, we have a demographic that we've got lots of um, young adults. So we've got two thriving universities. So mm. um, lots of people kind of between the age of eighteen and twenty five, and then we've got a, a real aging population. So York is a very desirable, attractive place to live, um, and lots of people like to continue to live here so we've got lots of challenges around providing age-appropriate accommodation um lots of lots of you know in terms of this podcast lots of older people in large difficult to heat homes um so one of one of our ambitions in the housing delivery program is to is to build more age-appropriate accommodation mm. and, and provide an alternative so that you know they've got something that's more manageable uh, more enjoyable and warmer um a healthier place to live and, and free up those those larger houses for, for so growing families that need them so that's really interesting because that's a real joined up strategic approach is where you, you've identified and 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 I think that, that it's a, it's an issue I'm sure that's replicated across the UK. We've, we we have Absolutely, an aging population, yeah. which is I suppose one of the the signs of, of a successful um, sort of last hundred years in terms of developing society. But but you've an aging population who are, who are in houses that are essentially too big for them. And, and actually, my my parents are in the you know the, the same sort of bracket. How do you interestingly how do you build as as you were saying there to to free those up for other families, but at the same time. How do you how do you build houses that are energy efficient and sustainable, and retrofit the ones that those people are leaving in a way that that will be the same for whoever's going in? Do you, I'm right in saying that you have um, have you developed a passive house strategy for your new build, or, or is, is 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 that something that's been signed off at committee? It has, yeah. So um, uh, about the time of the last local election. Um, York's administration changed so we had a, a Lib Dem Green coalition oh. um, and really positively for, for me on a, on a selfish level we, we had a, a Green executive member for housing right. um, so um, very much an open door in mm-hmm. terms of um, talking about opportunities for um, setting a really high standard environmentally with our new build programme so the the 
the approach that we took is we developed what we're, we've called a design manual, which makes it sound very kind of specific and, and quite techy, techy. But actually, it's a, it's a vision statement setting out good examples elsewhere and um, a number of broad objectives that we want to achieve with our new housing developments. Um, and one of the, the five key themes on that is about... Um, improving our impact on the environment through our new build. So we committed to certified passive house um, for our new build programme. We committed to taking it further, so installing renewable technology so that they would be zero carbon in use. And for the, the techie people listening, um, that's accounting for regulated and un unregulated energy when we talk about zero carbon in use. Um, but also um, a whole host of, of wider things to do with facilitating um, healthy, greener lifestyles. Yeah. Um, so once we um, developed this design manual, which was a very collaborative process with a whole host of um, partners in the city, um, we got executive sign-off. Um, the leader of the council um spoke at a public event where he held the design manual aloft and said this is this is what we're going to deliver in the city um kind of encouraging other people to come with us um and then the hard work started <laughs> once, once you once yeah. you've set such high ambition and you've been so public about shouting about it then then that's yeah. when that's when you you know you've got a, you've got a clear mandate which is exactly what you need yeah um but there's no rowing back from you know such a public <laughs> yeah. position you've then got to deliver that which is as you say that the hard work i mean that that is i think that's incredibly innovative and and uh, uh and you must be one of very few i mean i think that norwich have adopted pacifiers i know that they they won the award last year the year before yeah. um but and do you think that the political collaboration was key to that having members on board and having that political buy-in to that was that, yeah. was that a strong leader in, in how you developed that that strategy? Absolutely. So York is one of those places where politically changes quite frequently. So yeah. in my in my twelve years in York, we've had three different parties in power. So right. it felt particularly important that whatever we created had cross party support mm. because you know you'll know from delivering projects yourself that the last thing you want to do is is after the design stage or partway through a process to have a, a change in direction. Um, <laughs> it brings a whole host of, of costs <laughs> and, and problems. So, um, yeah, that cross-party support was really important to us. And also capturing the voice of the city and yeah. um, from speaking to, you know, civic organisations and residents and interested parties in a whole range of, um, of fields, you know, that level of consensus about, you know, we should be doing more. We've got yeah. the technical solutions to be doing more than building regs. So yeah. let's do it. Let's let's set that example. Yeah. And we were we were really um, encouraged by Goldsmith Street. Um, and you know, we visited. We were incredibly impressed by what they achieved there. Um, we've made some really good connections with Norwich City Council, which is where Goldsmith Street is located. And they gave us a confidence to go for it. Mm. And we also managed to procure a really fantastic external design consultant team who have done this before elsewhere. Mm. And whilst it's not easy, you know, we're working with people that have been here and done it in the past. And yeah. that 
that gave both us and our politicians the confidence to to say we're going to do it. We're going to and we're going to take a step forward ourselves. And, and that's the crucial point, isn't it? As, as two local government officers t- 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 talking here, the, the procuring the right teams is so critical in how you deliver the specifications that you want. Um, yeah. Was that des- was that design team, just to, not to get too technical for people who are listening, but was that design team um, uh, specifically contracted to you or were they innovated over to the design to the to the contractor delivering um uh, will will I get will they be innovated over or are you going to retain control over the design yeah so so they're they're con- they, yeah they're con- yeah so they're contracted to us yeah um, in the in, you know not again not wanting to get too techie but in reba <laughs> stages one to four so that's that's taking it through the planning stage and the design work and preparing the tender documents. Mm-hmm. Um, once we've got a contractor in place, the team move across and work for the contractor. So the contractor gets all the benefit of that yeah. skill and expertise. We get the consistency. We've got trust in in the people that we're working with that can deliver the product. Yeah. So we feel that approach is yeah. win-win because um, yeah. you know, the con- contractors are really positive about doing passive house and zero carbon but they are slightly nervous you know yeah. they haven't they haven't done it and those that have done it haven't typically done it at scale so having that team um with the expertise that can guide them through that process um yeah. has been reassuring for the contractors that we've been talking to and they've they've very much welcomed that approach yeah and if and if if, if you are setting passive house as as the standard then then you know that that's that's a safeguard for developing a product that um, that you're going to be ha- happy with. Um, that's really interesting, and you, you know just just going back to um, the, the the type of units you're delivering. You mentioned the five stage plan in the process because we're I'm conscious, and this is the conversations we've had either side of this podcast are, are around talking about the wider built environment, uh, talking about. Um, not just about the fabric, and I'm guilty, Michael, as you know, <laughs> talking talk, talking technical just on, on fabric solutions. But you mentioned some of the other um, um, some of the other uh, incentives in there or schemes in there to uh, to look at, at wider, greener policies. Can you give us a flavour of some of those and what those have been? Yeah, so um, I think when we were developing the design manual. Um, I think a lot of people, when they talk about housing, talk about it in quite a narrow scope. Mm. So they talk about it as meeting a housing need, which is obviously incredibly important. You know, we've got an affordable housing challenge across the country, and that's that's um, really important in York as well. You know, we've got very high house prices. Um, so meeting the meeting the housing need is really important, but actually, you can broaden out a conversation about housing to inc- to incorporate almost everything so when we're talking to colleagues in public health we talk about the the health benefits of living in a house that's warm and comfortable when we're speaking to colleagues in education we talk about the evidence that shows that if you're in a spacious light warm house you know your children are more likely to do well at school um when we're talking to colleagues in transport we talk about the the sustainable transport benefits that can come from creating a development that isn't reliant on cars. Yeah. Um, and it kind of goes on and on, really, that, that yeah. you know, we don't talk about B 
building houses, we talk about creating neighbourhoods, we talk mm. about communities, we talk about connections into and between our development so that we're encouraging people to walk and cycle through our sites. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a very holistic approach to placemaking and that has required some quite brave decisions so as well as the the techie stuff around passive house and zero carbon we've been brave in terms of doing very parking so one of our projects we have 50 percent car parking provision 400 percent cycle parking provision if you want a car parking space you will have to rent one you won't be given one just because you come and you're you're buying a big house. You will have to rent one, and that makes it you know ongoing on a year by year basis. We hope that by having to pay to rent a car parking space, it will make you think: yeah. Do I actually need it? Can I get by yeah. um, with a bike, with a cargo bike, with car share, yeah. um, by using bus more? Um, so we're we're as I said, we're we're a very compact city. Cycling is a great option. We're going quite big on cargo bikes. Um, so we're providing built-in space for people to have cargo bikes, but we're also providing electric cargo bikes that people can hire for a, a low cost. Um, and we think that, you know, we're not denying that some journeys need to be by car and we're not anti-car by any means, but yeah. we do think that cargo bikes and particularly electro cargo bikes could replace some car journeys um so we're 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 by having the kind of rental car ski the rental car parking space scheme we're, we're hoping to you know continually remind people do i need a car this year because yeah. circumstances change i've just had um a, a baby a year ago we need a car at the moment yeah, yeah sure um in 10 years time will we still need a car yeah. hopefully not yeah, um, and that there might be an opportunity, therefore, to save a little bit of money, and to and to um, and to modal shift even yeah. more towards towards bikes and walking. So that's really interesting because it's that pragmatism that that understanding neighbourhoods by the very nature of people's lives change, neighbourhoods change. I think it's it's quite inspiring to hear that the the level of joined up thinking around you, you mentioned neighbourhoods and 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 um, I think the term you used was. Um, um planning of, of of areas um and that's that's really quite inspiring to see how it's joined up because guys like me as you well know uh, i can we can be very excited about um fabric and insulation and windows and things yeah. but we're not too involved in the kind of in the broader scheme of things but but that's crucially important you know homes are really yeah. absolutely we yeah and, and something that we are um doing consistently is we're building terraced housing ah. so um, it ticks a number of boxes. So terraced housing is very energy efficient because you're obviously insulated by your neighbours. Um, but it also allows you to create density. And by creating density, you're supporting local services and facilities, you know, buses and um, car sharing schemes. But you're also freeing up space on the rest of your development site for green things. So yeah. we're committing to planting more trees than houses we're building. Mm. on our sites we 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 plan in lots of kind of biodiversity enhancements through through our type of planting lots of opportunities for play um we try and create very narrow streets where we can so we're leaving lots of space for 
for greenery. Mm. Um, and then the other thing we like about about um, terraced housing is, um, and I live in a terraced house myself, and I'm currently sat at my window and waving <laughs> at all my neighbours walking past. It's it's that sense of community, community that yeah. you can get from terraced yeah. housing from next doors yeah. next to next to next sorry front doors next to front doors gardens. Yeah backing onto gardens and 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 that by creating that community yeah. again you you hopefully create a um you create connections yeah. between people that can result in more sustainable lifestyle choices a reduction in single journeys yeah um increased kind of resilience within yeah. that community so it's sense of community and things and yeah. that's, that's really interesting because what, what i suppose i hadn't thought about was when you look at most private new build over the last few decades uh and i stay in a new new build but but we are we're detached and, and also at the same time kind of detached from our neighbors i, I don't often yeah. see our neighbors and that's an interesting point from yeah. a, i know you said you're a planner by, by by background is that i hadn't thought about that before how you can create new build estates but actually i mean quite isolated and and of course Social isolation is a huge topic just now, especially for older people. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, before um, maybe going slightly off topic on the renewable part, but <laughs> on, on the energy part, but um, previously when I was talking about, you know, tapping into other agendas, a, a big agenda, I think, across the country is adult social care yeah. and, and the, the massive challenge of, of supporting, you know, our ageing population. And, you know, our aim is to build homes that people can live in for longer. Mm. And by creating neighborly connections you're supporting people to to live healthy to be less reliant on public services um yeah. and and i think that's a really important thing that we need to think about when we're creating new housing yeah. developments that i think gets entirely missed by the commercial housing developments which is kind of building your own castle yes and i, I totally see the appeal of you know yeah you know does that, does that say the Englishman loves his own castle? And I, I totally get it, but I think that you can perhaps have your own castle, but also be part of a community yeah. um, through through good, clever design. And I yeah. think that's what we're trying to achieve. That's really, really interesting and, and something that I hadn't thought too much about before. And of course, if you're looking at trying to move an elderly population from larger households into a more socially sustainable neighborhood of course that's a really positive thing it's really interesting that's uh, that's really good maybe maybe going back now if we can steer back to a little bit more technical <laughs> so i think pacify is fantastic and some of the some of the initiatives you've got around the new build brilliant sounds really good what what about the challenge for the seven thousand units that you have and i suppose the wider challenge as a local authority different from housing associations who have that um who have the I wouldn't say obligation, but they have the um, the role to support the private uh, houses, private rented houses in, in the York area. What yeah. what initiatives are you looking at around retrofit, both for fully privately owned and 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 for your own stock and, and how you I suppose replicate what you're doing in a new build stage? Yeah. So it's an enormous challenge. Mm. Um and it makes, you know, our new build 600 homes, zero carbon, passive house feel um, quite a walk yeah. in the park, to be honest, yeah. um, when you think about it. So um, we have, as an authority, um, created a draft um, carbon um, reduction strategy, uh, which is um, coming out early next year. And then alongside that, we're developing a home energy efficiency strategy. 
um, which will try and build on those targets and turn them into something um, meaningful uh, within the residential sector in York. Um, so in terms of our 7,000, well, 7,500 council homes, um, they're the best performing in the city, mm-hmm. um, which is a really good starting point, but they're still a long way away from um, where we want them to be and where we need them to be. So we have 19 different archetypes, again, as uh, design people like to talk about yeah. archetypes, but 19 <laughs> different house types in the city. Um, and a few of those um, typically um, interwar or pre-war yeah. um, and bungalows are incredibly um, energy inefficient. Yeah and they are non-traditional construction they're not simple um cavity wall loft insulation new windows new doors type approach they they require a much more sophisticated approach so we've been successful in obtaining grant funding from the government to start that process of retrofit Mm -hmm. um but we we need a long-term strategy and um you know, we've had conversations outside of this, Duncan, and, you know, Renfrew Shearer are, are clearly far more advanced on their journey of understanding what target we need to achieve mm. um, in order to then be able to use some of the renewable technologies that are out there. Because, uh, you know, there's, there was lots of conversation when the government announced a new strategy yesterday yes. um, yeah. about air source heat pumps, which are fantastic and are a big part of the solution. But the the bigger challenge is is the insulation, isn't it? It's creating yeah. more airtight, more you know homes that retain the heat is yes. is the starting point that we um, are setting out on. But um, easier said than done when you've got lots yeah. of different house types, and it costs a lot of money. Mm. And um, a big thing that we're going to do as part of our um, strategy is be very honest and upfront that it's going to cost a lot of money and explore all the different options that are out there for yeah. funding that. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It's, it's good to hear somebody at your, at your level uh, under, understanding that well. And, and I think you put it very diplomatically there, Michael. I think, I think, <laughs> I think you, and, and, and I have to, I'm going to write some notes because I think you're right. I think renewables are part of the solution, but I think what you're saying is we have to make sure that the load that we place on renewables for heating our homes is something that doesn't, um, I probably go as far as saying doesn't push fuel poverty to, oh, absolutely. to, to, absolutely. to perhaps unsustainable levels. Because I yeah. think they, as social landlords, the issue that social landlords have is there is a higher demographic within uh, social housing who, who who don't have access to 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 um, funding that perhaps those in, in the private sector do. So we're, we're already looking absolutely. at higher levels of fuel poverty in, in, in social housing than we are in the private not not always but i think it's fair to say that yeah no absolutely all the statistics back that up in york yeah. you know you know if you're if you're a social housing resident you're much more likely to be in fuel poverty yeah um in york um and we we've made those mistakes duncan we've we've um, a number of years ago we installed um SRC heat pumps onto properties that um weren't sufficiently energy efficient um yeah. and um some of those residents have experienced higher fuel bills as a result. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not a it's not a quick fix, is no. it? The, the renewable technology it's it needs a 
yeah, a much more joined up solution than that. It, it does, and perhaps without going off piste, I think where where we need to learn from. I would go as far as saying your authority is an exemplar authority. I think what the social housing sector needs to do is understand who is delivering or who is at least piloting projects we can learn from. Um, and I think there has to be more of, if anyone's listening from from a regulatory uh, body or, or the CIH, I think we have to share. We, we can't work in isolation because, Michael, the challenges that you have are the challenges that someone has in Aberdeen and somebody has in, in, in Portsmouth. And I think it's about how we um, come together as a sector to try and understand. Um, I, I always uh, talk about, um, I went to see a, a chap talking, uh, he's an astronaut, and he was talking about you learn nothing through early success. It's always chained <laughs> with me. And I think that the, the point he was trying to make was you, you have to kind of try and break things to understand how not to do them again. Uh, and I think on the journey that we're all going to have, you mentioned some of the stock you have there, which is really difficult. Non-trads, oh, you know, really difficult. Yeah. Solid wall, interwar period stuff. But again, it's replicated up and, up and down the country. And I think what we have yeah. to learn is as much about each other's mistakes as as is each other's successes so that we, we don't replicate the stuff that, that hasn't worked. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my um, personal concerns with the current um, approach that we're seeing from the government in England is mm. short-term release of lots of money, mm-hmm. which um, kind of pushes you into a um, a certain direction, which, you know, it's great. Something is better than nothing yeah. um, in, in almost every case. Although, you know, when, when retrofit goes wrong, it, it can cause some major issues. But, you know, with PAS 2035, um, which is the new, the new standard about, you know, um, you know, thinking about a roadmap yeah. to um, a kind of no regrets approach, so yeah. that you can kind of build on build on retrofit improvements step by step as you go along, yeah. um, which is a really positive step. But it, it needs it needs joined up thinking, and, and the best thing that I think that can come out of the government money it will be um, some mistakes will be made, yeah. Yeah. there will be some successes, but also it, it will boost the supply chain a little bit. It will give a little bit of confidence to companies that they can invest in yeah. in training and in, in resources to to get to where we want to be. Because that, I would say that you know, despite all the challenges that I outlined about non traditional needing to have a design for each one, the financial challenge, I would still say that probably the number one challenge that we're facing is um, capacity in the market yes. to deliver retrofit and deliver the type of retrofit that we think we need in York, mm. which is very much the fabric first insulation improvements yeah. um, before you then start um, putting on the renewable technology. That's a, that's a really good point, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's a hot topic point just now is the heat in the construction market, the heat in the retrofit market. Is that something that you think will, that potentially the money coming from Bayes and, and some of the renewables projects um, could over time push that down? Do you think we'll get to a place where that will become, where the market will kind of catch up with an equilibrium where we'll have better prices in, say, six months, a year's time? Um, six months, a year, I'm not sure, but mm. um, most definitely in the longer term. So we, we've had some um, conversations with Energy Sprung, oh, yeah. who um, are an organisation that have a really interesting model whereby you um, you borrow to invest significant amount of money in the fabric of um, social houses you then add a comfort plan charge which the residents pay 
So that guarantees a really warm, comfortable house with lower bills than they were paying previously. Um, and then that comfort plan charge pays off the the initial investment over a 30-year period, say. And the big thing that Energy Sprung are doing is they are challenging their contractors mm. to bring the average cost of each deep retrofit down. So um, I think at the moment they're saying about £70,000 per home. They're hoping that in two or three years' time to have brought it down to £55,000 per home mm. and so on. So, so they are setting those contractors that challenge to... Yeah through repetition through mass production to bring those costs down because mm. it, i think it has to yeah um it's an interesting it's an interesting model energy sprung model and and it takes us to a different conversation um and i wonder how you as an authority um feel about this because we interviewed so energy as a service is is, is an interesting concept that's that's gaining more yep. ground and and i think that i think you're buying on the money they are talking about how Energy Sprung as an organisation who are providing essentially energy as a service, it's in their interest to try and improve and try and reduce the amount of cost for retrofit because essentially that's, and I think that's where the market can really help is in how you how you get a product that, that's affordable because, and I was listening to another, another podcast um, um, who they were talking about a lot of products just now. Well, if, if you're buying things off the shelf or if you're buying you know, products as opposed to a service, they will have an inherent failure in them at some point. So it's not in the seller's interest for something to last forever, if you know what I mean, if you look at a gas boiler. Whereas I like the idea that the service that Energy Sprung provide, they have to continually get it right from a commercial perspective in order to provide that heat. And that's something that's that's um, that's really they kind of change with me. We we spoke to Scott Foster at the UN, who's a huge advocate of energy as a service because he talks about, well, if you look at your phone in your pocket, you know you you, you don't you don't nobody pays for minutes anymore, uh, yeah. and and the same way you do kilowatt hours of, of of heat, you just pay for a service. Um, how as a local authority though is that, and this is a difficult question. Um, <laughs> how yeah, uh, how, how do you think that would? Because how do you think? I suppose the problem we have as as local authority guys is you look at things like district heating or you look at those types of services, and that's a difficult sell procurement wise. Um, and and but do you think there's 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 some merit in having those discussions internally just now? Yeah, I think so. So um, recently, um, I attended a housing and community safety scrutiny meeting, and there was a conversation about our emerging um, retrofit strategy. Mm. Um, and there was a real appetite from members of, of that committee from across the different political parties to be thinking about yeah both energy as a service as you described but also um other forms of investment in order mm. to make this happen so um we haven't really touched on the the private sector yet but even yeah. in the, you know within the public sector if you're um delivering retrofit at scale it's a significant amount of money but there are potential returns there so yeah. there are there is a potential, I think, to attract institutional investments, um, you know, pension funds, that sort yeah. of thing, through through delivering a a steady, consistent, yeah. long term return on that investment by significantly reducing the the bills of the residents and yeah. allowing some of that benefit to be felt by the residents, but also some of that benefit from the from the investors. I think we need to get out of that old 
um, local authority mindset of if a solution um, needs to be found, the council must dip into its own pocket yeah. and yeah. find that solution because fundamentally that's not going to be possible yeah. on, the, on the scale of the challenge in, in, the, in yeah. the country. And, and when, when we speak to our housing association partners as well, um, you know, they're, I don't want to dob them in, but in some ways they're, they're further behind their journey yeah. than we are. You know, they they have a broad concept of, um, you know, they need to improve the energy efficiency of their homes. It's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. but they've, they've no idea how they're going to get there. They don't have any budgets. They don't yeah. have teams. And I think there's an opportunity for, as you've said, and, and I guess the emphasis of this podcast and all of the, the work that you've been doing, Duncan, by sharing your knowledge is, is, is sharing people, sharing yeah. positives, sharing mistakes, sharing opportunities, because the the circumstances of City of York Council are very consistent with the circumstances of of Nottingham, Manchester, yes. and, and everywhere yes. across the country. It's it's the same challenge over and over again. So we don't need each authority to find a solution. We need yeah. a solution, and for that to be. Um, magnified yeah and, 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 and replicated elsewhere don't we i think that i think absolutely i think it's a very good way of, of putting it and um and i agree i think it's quite heartening to hear the it's heartening to have this discussion with you and we can and we have this with a number of other uh, local authorities um but i think you're i think you're right i think that the, the issues are generic they're, they're very rarely specific uh, you have specific property types, but the, the generally the broader issues are generic. And, and I think that the more we can collaborate um, uh, across Scotland, England, Ireland and Wales to, to develop those solutions, the better. And, and uh, I think that's that's where guys like you and I have, have, have got to continue and to, to talk. But I agree. I, I think that that attitude that the council will have to pay for uh, any and all uh, retrofit upgrades, I think we have to look at with a slightly different lens because... You know, if we do that, or if local authorities do do that, then you're really going to have to have a conversation about rents. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I don't know that that's a palatable conversation just now. Certainly, wouldn't be in York. No, and and for for understandable reasons. But at the same yeah. time, the elephant in the room here is maybe not between you and I is that I would imagine that in some some occasions, people up and down the country, not specific to to, to York, are paying significantly more in energy bills than they are in rent. And and if you can start to look at that and make some savings on that, but at the same time use part of that to pay for a service, i.e., twenty degrees, you know, sixteen hours a day, and so on, that to me has has got a lot of weight. And and I, and I love the idea. I think the institution, I think you're bang on the money. We we spoke to Deco Rufus Grantham, who's um, who who leads Bankers Without Boundaries. And, yeah. and they're a, a, a network for institutional investment for pension funds. And yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting concept where, where because you're right, <clears throat> the investment in social housing is, is really low risk, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're, 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 we're not going anywhere. Uh, so, <laughs> no, council houses have been around for 100 it, years and they'll yeah, be around for another 100 it, years, it, I'm sure. It, 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 exactly. Michael, we're kind of out of time, um, um, but this has been a really, it's been a really inspiring conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you uh, for coming and joining us. If, if you, maybe if I could ask just one final question in terms of if, if you could give advice to anyone listening or what, what we should be looking at, what would that be, uh, either from a new build perspective or... Uh, or from a retrofit, where do you think we should be going as social landlords? What, what, 
if you had one thing you could, um, you could one wish, you know, your sort of desert island wish, wish you, mm-hmm. what, what would that be? What, what would the advice you would give to others in your position? So I think aim higher. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that it's, it's easy to go back into what we know and um, councils were building houses at, at great scale many years ago. And then for, for various political reasons, you know, we stopped. Um, and a lot of local authorities are starting to build again. And this is a real opportunity. You know, it feels like a real moment where we can set the agenda. Um, we can we can demonstrate what's possible. And there's, you know, there's huge history associated with council housing setting the standard. Yeah. Um, you know, for around a whole host of things in the past around, you know, creating places that are healthy for people to live, that are affordable, that are safe. And we need to think about what that means in 2021 and beyond. Um, and it means something a little bit different now to what it meant yeah. 30 years ago. And, and you know, we can do this. There's the there's skill set out there. There's technical solutions. We can make it work. And and let's collaborate, let's share. If anyone ever wants to speak to me or one of my colleagues about what we're doing and how we're doing it, we'd very happily um, share time okay. and find time to share information. And, and likewise, you know, Norwich City Council that you know have delivered over 100 social rent passive houses, um, I'm sure that they would very happily speak mm. to people as well. So um, don't be shy, um, come and talk to us and, <laughs> and, and, and we, can, we can make a real difference, I think. That's great, Michael. I, th- I think that is a great way to end, and it's actually a great title for the podcast. I think that um, it, setting the standard or, or or leading the standard is actually something that, that social landlords can do in, in a way. We can almost be the vanguard for a much higher spec in terms of new building and, and retrofit. Michael, thanks so much. Thank you very much, Duncan.